Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. With more than 35 years combined industry experience, Alex Husner and Annie Holcomb have teamed up to connect the dots between inspiration and opportunity, seeking to find the one story, idea, strategy, or decision that led to their guest's big aha moment. Join them as they highlight the real stories behind the people and brands that have built vacation rentals into the $100 billion industry it is today. And now it's time to get real and have some fun with your hosts, Alex and Annie. Welcome to Alex and Annie, the real women of vacation rentals. I'm Alex. And I'm Annie. And we are here today with a very, very special guest, Pete DeMeo from, from Travel Boom Marketing. And actually, Pete, we were on your show just a couple of weeks ago. So this is a, a special episode where we're doing a switcheroo of podcasters. Uh, Pete, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Yeah, we actually had a lot of great feedback from episode 213, where you guys were on our show. And I've been looking forward to it ever since then to get on your show and and play the uh, the yin to your guys' yang for <laughs> hotel versus uh, vacation rental marketing. We're, we're trying to use this as an opportunity to show that everybody can work together, right? <laughs> Come on, break down these silos. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Now, we, uh, we were on Pete's show a few weeks ago, and we talked about the top five things that hotels can learn from vacation rentals. And so today, Pete is on to talk about the top five things that vacation rentals can learn from hotels. So really excited to dive into that. And uh, Pete, before we get started, just give our audience some history on your impressive career. I know you've been in hospitality marketing for a long time now, but uh, if you can just give us uh, a little bit more information about what you've done in the past. Absolutely. So, so currently I'm VP of uh, Travel Boom Marketing. So we do everything from pretty much anything under the sun as it relates to digital marketing for independent hoteliers. Mm-hmm. And you know, our goal is really to help hoteliers who you know, are battling finding their voice online and battling having an you know, over-reliance on OTAs to be able to kind of create their own path, own their guest and succeed online. So that, that's what we do now. I've been in the hotel and travel space for over 20 years. Everything from, you know, I worked the front desk for a very brief period of time and on both the traditional side, the marketing side and on the, the digital side where I've been, been lately. And we have hotels and, and clients ac- across the country. So anything from a, you know, small little boutique hotels to, you know, large, you know, several hundred room resorts. So it kind of gives me a good idea of of what's happening with hoteliers today and kind of what some of the things that we can share with uh, the vacation rental brothers that we've got. Very cool. So you've been in the industry for a long time. You are in Myrtle beach. Myrtle beach is a big uh, vacation destination, lots of vacation rentals. So out of curiosity, you said you worked with independent hoteliers. Have you branched into vacation rentals or is that something that you have like holistically decided that's not where you want to go, or you just haven't had the, the inclination to go into that space? We really haven't broken into that space as of yet. Uh, We do have some of our larger clients who are management companies. They do have a very strong vacation rental presence. Typically, we're going to be working with independent hoteliers, and that really is our our sweet spot. And as far as markets, do you work just in Myrtle Beach? But I think you do work all over the country because you've had some clients down in the Panhandle where I'm at, correctly? Oh, all over the world, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. So we yeah. we started out in Myrtle Beach for okay. sure, and we had uh, I'd say a, a good portion of our clients are here in Myrtle. But over the past several years, as we've been growing the company, 
all that growth has been outside the area. So we have people from you know, Yosemite in California to New Mexico to, you know, up in the Northeast, down in Florida, kind of everywhere. Yeah. So do you get to go out and go get those clients? Do you get to see these great destinations or do you have a sales team that's doing that for you? If it's a cool destination, I'm in that sales team for sure. <laughs> no, I, I try. I try to get around to you know, every one of our, our clients. Absolutely. So I haven't made it out to Yosemite, but that's in the works now to get out there and, and check that out. But you know, it's it's fun for me to be able to travel to a lot sure. of our clients. Yeah, I, and I think hoteliers in general, or marketers, should I say, forget that the most important thing at any given destination is the guests who are staying at the property. And you miss that if you're just stuck, in my case, working from home right now or working from the office, you, you miss really what is that that thing that pulls on your heartstrings to make you love the business that we're in. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. I know you've got a lot of clients here locally in Myrtle Beach, though, mm -hmm. too, where you're headquartered at. And you're actually, Pete's office is just maybe 15 minutes from where I'm at in North Myrtle Beach. So we're basically neighbors here. Yep. But, um, and, and, you know, your company has been very well known in the market for many, many years and work with all the you know, best properties that we have. And like you said, a lot of them are, they are ran as, you know, condo resort type properties more, more towards the hotel side and how they're managed. But, you know, the properties, a lot of them are individually owned by homeowners and we still face a lot of the same things. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's all, it's all accommodations. It's all properties that need maintenance and housekeeping and, and to be marketed. <laughs> so Yeah. And honestly, that brings up a really interesting thing that we'll talk about later on as well is yeah. when you have like a condo hotel type property, what happens to the units that are not on the hotel's rental management program? Right. And I think we'll talk about that a little bit because that can create some very unique uh, challenges. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 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 Well, that's, that's exciting. And we're super happy to have you on the show, Pete. Thank you so much. I guess let's just jump into it. Let's dive into the top five things. And now, so just so our audience knows, Annie and I do not know what they are yet. Pete has kept these as a secret. So we are very excited, just as I'm sure all of you are too, to find out this, this big secret list. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so number one thing that vacation rentals can learn from hoteliers is to convert over to be in a hotel. <laughs> and go to travel boom for all your money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a great podcast. I'll talk to you guys later. Yeah, my <laughs> Uh, no, no, no. So actually, I've got five things that I think that you know, I've seen over the you know 20 plus years I've been in the business that we've got a little bit of a disconnect on, on the marketing sides. And the first one is for a hotelier, the on-property experience is really what sells the stay to the guest. And I think that's something that vacation rental companies, particularly independent uh, you know, or smaller companies can learn mm -hmm. because a lot of times I'll see a vacation rental company really pushing the unit, the unit amenities, and you know, basically what you get for your stay yep. to the expense of not talking about the, the amazing area, the ability or the amenities that are at the property and everything that is kind of beyond the walls of the unit that the person is renting. Yeah. And I think that's a really important one not to miss because you know, I think hoteliers for a long time have known that, you know, the hotel is kind of the means to an end in terms of a, a vacation. And you want to push the the things that the person is going to be able to do while on vacation versus just the, the property itself. 
Yeah, and yeah. I totally agree on that. And you know, it, for our properties that we have on our website, as well as our partners that we push out to Verbo and Airbnb that are obviously vacation rental channels, we really encourage them to put pictures that aren't just of the unit. I mean, you want to see the outside of the building. You want to see, of, of course, all the amenities, but also some attraction pictures and what's nearby. Mm-hmm. I mean, really, the more pictures you can show in your listings and to get people excited about that on-property experience, like you said, the better. And I think vacation rental managers, for the most part, are probably hesitant if they are not doing that because they don't control that experience. I mean, if we're not the HOA that is maintaining the property amenities, which most of us are not, then you know that, that can be a little bit sticky. But for the most part, I, I would say when in doubt, you definitely want to be showing all the pictures yeah. to give that full experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that the one thing that's come into play for vacation rental people to be able to kind of bridge that gap is working with companies like Explory, where they can create an experience within the market that doesn't necessarily have to be on the property. Because again, so many of these properties, especially the high-rise condos, they aren't necessarily built with a lot of amenities in them. And right. I know down here on a full, you know, a full capacity building in July, there's not a lot of room on the pool deck. So you mm-hmm. want to make sure that people don't Aren't 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 just trying to stay at the property at the pool. They they see all the other things around there. But your your point is is absolutely on you know, spot on. They need to do more focusing on the amenities and the experience that they're going to have there because that is a good chunk of the time that they're going to be in the market, especially if it rains. So you want to make sure that they know what to do. Yeah, yeah. And the way I always look at it is the moment the guest steps foot on the property is the moment that you as a vacation renter or as a hotelier is working on selling their next stay. So, you know, it's a very long sales cycle. When you think about an annual vacation, you Mm want to make sure that when they're actually there in person, face-to-face, you put your best foot forward. So from a hotelier perspective, you have the front desk staff, you have housekeeping staff and whatnot that can help create that experience. Vacation rentals, I think, need to find a way to become that innkeeper to the guests who's staying there and create those little surprise and delight experiences. Right. You know, if it's, you know, on check-in, there's something special waiting for in the, the middle yeah. room to make it more valuable that they chose the the independent room versus just going through a, a massive hotel. Yeah, so. absolutely. Especially with the rise of um, technology now that you don't even need to go to check-in at an office. In most cases with vacation rental companies that you can just go right to the room with, you know, the electronic locks. That, you know, it's great for convenience for the guests, but on the other hand, it does take away that experience of actually meeting the people from the company and, and having that. So that's definitely something to be mindful of, of how you create that experience, you know, pre and post stay. And I think, you know, in, in the in the pre part, phone phone call reservations are still a large part of all of our businesses as, as vacation rentals. I think phone is still like 55% of our revenue, uh, or no, I'm sorry, opposite, it's 45% of revenue. Um, Online is 55, but still, that's a big chunk. So that experience that your phone call agents uh, make over the phone and the booking process is very important. Yeah. yeah, perfect. Okay, well, so drop number two on us. Let's see where we go now. So number two is maximizing your email and your owned assets. Uh, again, I think you know, hoteliers, because in, in the past, they may have had a slightly larger budget compared to a very small rental management company. And honestly, I could probably say the same thing for a very small hotel. But look at the channels, such as obviously social channels, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and others, but your email communications as well. What are you doing to make sure you are really making the most of the assets you're able to develop to reach out and connect directly with your guests? 
So I think, you know, you know from, from our perspective, you know, from a hotelier's perspective, that's so important because that is what you can do to make sure that you're minimizing the reliance on OTAs and third parties. But I think from a vacation renter's perspective, it's also the thing that lets you continue to create the, I guess, ambiance of a ma- amazing vacation. Right. Yeah. Be in front of them on social, via email. Yeah. On, on the phone specifically, whatever it takes to keep yourself top of mind to that customer. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, one of the challenges that we have, whether it's vacation or hotel, is getting that guest information if they book on a channel, depending on the channel. Um, what strategies or what, what do you recommend to your clients for how they can make sure that they get that guest information? And when they get it, what's the next step? What do you tell them to do with it? So this is tricky, particularly if you don't have somebody on property. From, from a hotelier's perspective, just about everybody that we work with requires that the front desk staff yeah. update that folio with the proper email address. Yeah, yeah. Now, from a you know Airbnb or VRBO or Verbo perspective, making sure that you have the ability to collect that data as well. Mm-hmm. A great way, you may not be able to get it for their current stay, but having a comment card, having a printed sign up in the at the property, yeah. or simply when you're communicating with that guest, make sure that you're extending the opportunity for them to have your personal phone number, have your email addresses and whatnot. Uh, I know the uh, you know Airbnb, Verbo and whatnot, they're, they're pretty strict on, you know, keeping their data as well. Yeah. Like all the OTAs are. Yeah. Yeah. But, but think about how organically you can, you know, move that guest from their customer to, to your customer. Right. Absolutely. I think there's some workarounds. I know with our partners at Lexicon, we, um, since we're a channel manager, we do work with all the different channels and we do um, the front loading of all their properties and make sure their content is curated. And one of the parts of uh, the components of our onboarding process is to actually set up automated communications through the OTAs. So it's like, you know, when they get a booking, they get a notice that, you know, thank you for booking with this property and it gives them the information. And then there's another one that'll go out, you know, in different increments, say 30 days out, seven days out with different information. But it's, again, it's, it's touch points that are going from the OTA, which they trust that they booked with, but the information that they're getting is about the property or the property manager. So they can kind of, they start to get comfortable with that relationship. So that when they do arrive, they know that they, they may have booked through an OTA, but they've got somebody that's kind of boots on the ground with them to be there to greet them and take care of them. And it's, we've noticed the more properties that we do that with the more, um, the more capable or the better the communication ease of communication becomes because the guest gets used to that communication through the process before arrival. And then they're not as put off when they, when the property says, well, Hey, let me get your email for future because they've already been communicating with me. It's just kind of on a, you know, a mass process. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. When our guests check in, if it's a OTA booking, we have a little printout in their check-in envelope that has, it basically tells them the reasons to book direct um, and tells them if they rebook for next year with us before they leave, they get a 10% discount. So that works really well. That's that's driven a, a lot of people to, I think, just to think twice. I mean, most people, you know, the general public doesn't know what book direct means. <laughs> All of us start, use that throw that term around all the time, but the general public doesn't know what that means. But I mean, they're already doing it by going and searching for other options when they see how much a booking fee is on Airbnb, for example. But at the same time, I think it's it's important not to overlook, you know, explaining to guests in a simple to understand way, you know, what that benefit is. 
Mm-hmm. And I think yeah, I that think... one thing, oh, I'm sorry. No, no go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say yesterday we interviewed um, Mark Simpson from Boostly. And one of the things, you know, he focuses on is obviously the book direct, but we talked into the deep, like the depth of book direct and what that really means. And one of the things that he said that was coming up pretty regularly was that the, and I, I believe this to be true, just in past experience, people think that there's so much labor involved in getting a book direct when if you just set up processes and you set up kind of a, a, you know, a format of how you're going to communicate to the guests, it's not as hard as it seems. And I would imagine from, you know, from your perspective, from Travel Boom, you guys have sort of a template that you can give to somebody to say, these are maybe the, again, going back the top five things that we're going to share, but things that they could do very simply that don't cost a lot of money and a lot of labor. Would that be true? Oh, absolutely. A perfect example of that is I think if you try to manually do everything that you need to do to create that one-on-one relationship with a guest, you'll be working with one guest at a time. Mm -hmm. The reality is relying on your automations and Mm -hmm. even the most basic email platform, you know, look look at MailChimp. They have some really cool automations and journeys that you can create in that platform now. By setting those up and putting the time in now, it's going to help you moving forward. Right. The other thing that we've learned from an email perspective is the vacation is really the most important part of a person's life. They look forward to it for months in advance <laughs> right, yeah. and they can't get too much communication. If you look yeah. at the, the confirmation emails, you look at the pre-arrival emails, you look at a booking upgrade email, which is probably yeah. more specific to hotels. Those have phenomenal open yeah. rates, so phenomenal true, yeah. click rates, mm-hmm. because it's like, I'm going on vacation and somebody right. from that vacation, that destination's talking to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you want to know as much as possible. Yeah, exactly. You yeah. want to go smoothly. I mean, you, you, yeah, it's you, as much information as they can provide, the better. Yeah. And like little things, like if you had a you know, integration with your weather app where you could send out an email a couple of days beforehand saying, Hey, here's what the weather's looking like. Get ready for a great vacation. Those are the things that are so important because you're creating that relationship. Then after that person has stayed and you reach out to them for your reviews and, you know, your, your booking anniversary messages, they're already mm-hmm. trained to be welcoming to your messages and open them. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So. Yeah. I'd love to see a product, an in-room type product that allows us to get more email addresses too from other people in the party. Cause that's a big right. thing for vacation rentals with, you know, our condos are, most of them are, are three plus bedrooms. So you could have, you know, 10, 12, 14 people in a condo, but you only have the contact information for the person who booked it. And we were just at a conference recently. And one of the people I was sitting with said, yeah, you know, it really, it does become a problem because me and my wife just went on this vacation. We were three other couples and um, the other couple's wife, she was the only one that her email address was on file. And she got all the information about when trash goes out and all these different things. And then she ended up leaving early. So none of them had any of that information. <laughs> you know, handy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that would be great for everybody to have that. But not only to improve the value or the quality of the stay that they're currently in, but then now to remarket to all those people the next time, because they're not always going to book that one person that booked isn't always going to be the one that's making reservations for them. But um, we actually, we talked to any guest view guy. I don't know. I've told you a little bit about them. Mm-hmm. And I was at GeneX was talking to them about it. And, you know, that's, I think having something in the room that allowed, allowed us to capture that. If maybe even you make it like a gamify type thing to get everybody in the party to put in their email address, to get a coupon or something like that. I think there's a lot of potential there and that would help hotels or vacation rentals that could be done in either segment. Yeah, I mean, I we, we battle this all the time. Oh, I'm sorry, we battle this all the time on the the golf side, mm-hmm. where you have yes. a golf package and you end yes. up with you know eight, you know twelve, sixteen plus 
people on a, a single booking. Yeah. You know, how do you say, okay, these 16 people that are coming down here on a golf vacation, well, that's 16 vacations that they're probably also going to take with their families. Exactly. You know, yeah. How do I get a hold of yeah. those people? And yeah. it's tough. Yeah. 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 I no, think you, um, doesn't Stayfy, isn't Stayfy the company that does that where you can actually capture because everybody that logs into the Wi Fi, they have to give their email address. And yeah, I think, so. I think so. They allow, mm-hmm. like, I mean, I think certain Wi Fi is only allowing like four people to log in or whatever for users, but everyone has to log in. So they do that. So I would say Stayfy would be a, a good option mm-hmm. for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. Yeah. That's true. Perfect. Okay. Awesome. Well, let's. What's number three, Pete? <laughs> so, and, and I, was, I was telling Annie before we were recording. I had four really great ones, and one that's eh, and, and this is so. Get ready. This is the. Eh, and it, <laughs> but it, it kind of squeeze it in the middle. <laughs> that's, that's what I was telling. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, perfect. Yeah, and I kind of split out number two, which is maximize your own e- your email assets. Number three, I would say, is really own that guest remarketing and re-engagement strategies. And we've pretty much talked about this a lot in terms of you know, email collection on property and whatnot. But you know, think about how you're engaging your guest after the stay. Yeah, Hotels, or at least savvy hoteliers, I think do this pretty well. Mm-hmm. You know, some of the great ways are you know a paid retargeting campaign through social or just a PPC type campaign. Is really helpful to do. And that's why you want to get that email address. But the other thing that I've, we found is super helpful that I really haven't seen a lot of people use is what I call a guest or a stay anniversary message. Yeah. I was just, yeah. gonna, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's crazy. So if you send an email that triggers 30 days prior to the guest previous booking or mm-hmm. uh, not 30 days prior to the year of their when previous book, booking. Yeah. Anniversary. Yeah. 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 So what that will do is that gets in front of them before their traditional planning and booking cycle and puts you back front and center. They're already probably pre-primed to be thinking about a vacation. And if you are being proactive in re-engaging your guest, you're much, much more likely to get that repeat booking. Yeah. And that's such an easy one to automate yeah. that is very personalized too. So, I mean, that's like a set it and forget it kind of email. Yeah, that's true. Like. Right. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's one of those ones where it's the, it's a rare time where you know everything that that guest enjoys. Mm-hmm. You know that they're traveling with a family. You know that they enjoy uh, a specific unit type. You know, <clears throat> any all, all this great stuff that you know about that vacation's, vacationer's previous day that you can integrate through the personalization levels. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then lastly, I would say that a part of that process is making sure that re-engagement is about asking for reviews, mm-hmm. getting those reviews on particularly Google from a vacation rental perspective is that's the holy grail. If, if you can increase the velocity of those reviews, that's going to help search rankings. That's going to help awareness. That's going to help everything that you do from a marketing perspective. Yeah, Absolutely. I think Alex and I have focused on that for our podcast. Is we're so used to telling yeah. partners to make sure they ask for reviews that we do that for our podcast. Quite so we're taking yeah. all these marketing tips and utilizing it for podcasting. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's true. Yeah. Uh, anyone that works it worked well. So, yeah. what's number four then? All right. So number four is, and, and this one's near and dear to me: reduce booking engine abandonment through transparent pricing. So, hmm. yeah, I what that. I. And I've seen this one specifically on the hotel side as well, where a hotelier increased their cleaning fees to cover. I mean, obviously, employment is a major thing in our world right now. Mm-hmm. And, and they jacked up their cleaning fees, the resort fees and whatnot. And what ended up happening is you see a rate 
that you're going to be staying, that you're going to be booking for. And then when you get to that scary checkout page, and mm-hmm. now your taxes and fees increase the rate 30 plus percent yeah. of what the booking was actually going to be. And now all of a sudden you've moved me from you know one price point to an entirely different price point. Yeah, right. And you've scared me and you make me start to question, okay, look at all these hidden fees. What else do I not know? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. In that specific example, we saw conversion rate drop by nearly 50%. Wow. And to the point where you know, we reached out and we said, hey, what's going on? We saw a drop in your... Yeah. conversion rate. And we kind of backtracked to, oh, that was when you know, these changes took place. Yeah. yeah. And now I see this a lot on the vacation rental side, just, you know, booking Airbnbs and Verbos yeah. on vacation is you're like, oh, great. This one's only X dollars per, per night. Yeah. And then you go through the process and there's a cleaning fee. There's this fee, there's this fee. You know, like, yeah. oh, well, it's, it wasn't a hundred dollars a night. It was actually $190 a night. Yeah. yeah. And then you go yeah. right back to the beginning of that search process and start looking for different ones. Yeah, it really, I mean, the, in our, web, our, our website does this, full disclosure. So when, when you search on our site, it shows the uh, as low as price um, per night, but that's the lowest night of that whole stay. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, that can yeah. range vastly throughout the week. But it's almost like, you know, I think about this sometimes. I don't know if we even need to show a price at that point. It could just be like $4 signs. Like it's either on the low end of its very budget or it's luxury because really that price that you see there doesn't help you figure out what the total amount is. Once you go through that process, you have to actually see that. But one thing I will say that makes that um, complicated for us is you have to look at in your market how your competition is doing it too because Mm -hmm. That will happen sometimes. And with us, when we include um, departure cleaning and linens in our rate, some of our competition does not. So that's also another thing. But if they are, if, if one of your direct competitors is in your market like ours, or we still compete against Verbo and Airbnb, but definitely very much against our, you know, nearby companies that are here, um, if they are not including the rate or the tax or the tax or the fees, or they don't include the linens or the maid service, that makes a big difference. And we try and make it very clear that when it shows the rate, it is saying that does include those, but you don't see the tax and fees until you get over onto the booking page. But uh, it's it's tough. And and I agree with you. I think transparency, I think it could be better, but it's like everybody has to do it at the same time in order to get people to compare apples to apples. Yeah. And in the case that, that we were looking at was, this was an outlier in the market. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we saw the you know conversion rates for you know other properties, and the ADR for other properties. It still matched, you know. So you're you're paying about yeah. the same per night. Yeah. It's just how the the money was applied to that booking process, right? Yeah. So what my recommendation would be is to test that. You know, can you pull back a little bit on your you know true ADR? Yeah, and then move a little bit more into taxes and fees till you find that sweet spot. It's kind of that, that always be testing type mentality is, you know, what is that proper mix? And that kind yeah. of gets to the rate management side, which is not my bag necessarily, yeah. but yeah, it's something to consider. I think it's a hard, it's a hard question to answer just because there's no, there's no right or wrong way to do it. It's just like, what will convert in your market based on all the, all the factors that are in play. And, you know, just from a vacation rental perspective, COVID upended so many norms that were in play, but, but again, pricing because all of a sudden the measures that people had to take for cleaning took cleaning to a level that had never been done before. So they, I was talking to somebody the other day and they were had a, a rate issue where they had rooms that were coming at, 
coming through at 88, $90 a night, but yeah, once all the fees and percentages were tacked on, it was $7,000. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> so of course, I mean, their abandonment rate had to have been like, you know, just completely skyrocketing. They had a rate issue, but I think, you know, again, it's just even, even on the OTAs, it's really hard to manage because mm-hmm. from a channel management perspective, we hold everything in our system and we have to load fees on those channels customized by the way that they're serving them up. Some of them are saying it's just one line item, all fees are together. So you see it quicker. And then other ones of them are like a percentage fees are applied when taxes are applied. But mm-hmm. the, so you go through like three processes and it can go again from $200 a night to by the end time you're at the end of it, you're like $500 a night. So, you, you know, the shock is something that I think everybody is trying to get over and there has to be transparency across the board. And I know, you know, from a branded hotel perspective, they, you know, they shouted at the OTAs for a long time to to help them message some of the things that they were doing because they were getting accused of hiding these mm-hmm. fees when they weren't hidden. People just weren't reading them. But the problem yeah. is when you're planning a vacation, you're not looking at the fine print. You're like, I want to go to the beach or I want to go right. skiing, you know? So it, yeah. it, it's a really, I think that's, to me, this is like the biggest one that everybody needs to work on. It's just hard all the way around. Yeah. It's definitely not just a vacation rental problem. Hotels have a, yeah. a huge problem with this as well. And, and I really don't know what the right answer is because you know, a lot of it is also how those fees are applied. Right. Where you know a the booking, the actual booking itself is typically go to the homeowner, cleaning fees and whatnot, mm-hmm. or go to the vacation rental provider. You know, so you have to make sure that you're covering your own needs right. there, so you can service the guests properly, but also take care of the homeowner in a vacation rental type perspective. Absolutely. Even be, even beyond the fees within a market, if you have a vacation rental company who is yielding their rates and it is using um, rate software, and then you have a company who is not, who is still doing it the old fashioned way of they set the rates back in the fall of the previous year for the next year, and they just leave them there. It leaves for such vast differences <laughs> in rates across yeah. the whole industry and the market. And, you know, we definitely see a, a lot of that here. We still have a lot of companies that are doing it the old school way. And um, it, it's it's tough. I mean, I'm sure it's extremely confusing for the guests to understand because if they're looking at comparing the units, they're the same size and they might be in the same building, but the price could be a difference of $1,000 or more depending on the week. So that's a tough thing. But, I, you know, I think obviously hotels are, are more... Um, experience and they've just got, I think, better tools overall because they've been doing it longer on the revenue management side. And that's not my forte specifically either, but I just, I think that they are much, they're much more dialed in to if they know their comp set is at a certain, a certain range and they're very close to it. Whereas for our properties, it can really range quite a bit. Yeah. yeah when you mentioned the, uh, the rates for the year and set it, forget it. It reminded me of back in the old days, at least here in Myrtle beach, where you'd have a brochure and they would print the rates for the entire year. Yeah. And those rates had to be done like in November before the year even began. I've set all my rates. Ready manager. All done. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Isn't that crazy? And honestly, that was not that long ago. I mean, no, it wasn't. We we still do our brochure, but we don't have rates in it anymore. It just says, you know, daily and weekly prices available. Please go online. But I remember, oh my gosh, when I first started at Condo World doing that brochure, I would be given the rates, but then I still had to put all the pricing into these charts in order for our designer to do it. It was absolutely terrible. <laughs> that was the oh, worst oh time gosh, of the yeah. year. Because <laughs> you know, as soon as like February rolls around, you're like, I, I did it all wrong. I would always have a typo. And then it's yeah. like one thing that somebody finds like, oh shoot, it wasn't $700, $7,000. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I've worked with I've worked with managers that they do that. And actually, one of the ones I can think of is actually from Myrtle Beach. And when we started working with her at Lexicon, she was like, "Oh no, we set our rates and they're 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 done for the season." I'm like, "Well, it's January. Like, what happens if you have a storm?" And she's like, "Well, it just that's just the way it is." Yeah. And so she yeah. was like, "I need somebody to help with revenue management." I was like, "Well, what are you managing if you're not going to change your rates?" <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, "Well, I just need to know that you know if we're going too low or too high." So one of the pricing tools, and I don't remember who it was that talked to her. I want to say maybe it was Beyond Pricing, but it could have been Wheelhouse or whatever, talk to her. And she was like, they said, okay, well, you need to set, you know, your floor rate and then we will fluctuate from that. And she's like, well, my floor rate's in my brochure. That's what, that's, that's the rate oh I gosh. have to get. And they're like, so do you want us to mark the rates up? And she's just like, no, I just want you to tell me if I'm wrong. And they're like, you're wrong. You know, yeah. she got really insulted by that. Like, what do you mean I'm wrong? How could I be wrong? And they're like, this is 2020, you know, yeah, you really need yeah. to think about this. So I think again, there are people that they've always done everything, even on the hotel side, they've always done it especially with these little smaller hotels that are family owned and family run, they've been doing it the same way for so long. And it's really more of that fear of the unknown, like what potential is out there, but are they feeling like if they change something, are they going to miss out? Are they, have they, are they losing what they have built up over time? So I imagine with independent hotels, just like with vacation rentals, there's a lot of coaching and handholding and um, cajoling and (laughs) humiliating that has to go through the process. Yeah. Yeah. That's funny. Uh, it's funny what, what you said there was kind of leads me right into number five. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> it, it's a perfect transition. It's spend time, <laughs> money, and effort on your marketing. Oh, yeah. You know, you know, <laughs> Definitely. You know, very small hoteliers, I think, already have this problem and vacation rentals I do as well. But you know, if you're a smaller operation, you have to spend some time getting away from the day-to-day management yeah. and spend some time thinking about you know, your quarterly rates that you're going to set in January and ignore Mm -hmm. for, you know, three months, maybe spend some time not ignoring that. And, you know, think about your marketing, think about your strategies and and put the pieces in place so that you can go back to your day-to-day management, but you're doing it in a much more optimized way. Yeah. And it's, it's the difference of working in the business versus on the business, right? And mm-hmm. for a lot of small vacation rental companies, that's that's tough. If you are you know, the director of operations and you don't have anybody in marketing, that's a tough thing. And I, a lot of what we see now, newer vacation rental companies, they are relying so much on Verbo and Airbnb because that drives so much business to them. But mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this kind of, this last point ties in a lot of the other points that you've t- brought up that you've got to have that book direct strategy in place too. And even just adding one of the things that we've talked about today is going to get you further ahead. So you don't have to jump all in and have to have a massive plan to get started on this. Just doing a couple things right is going to move the needle. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I would kind of add to that is because everyone's like, oh, it's too expensive. I don't have the time to yeah. you know, stop my management and focus on you know, my systems thinking. But I would challenge anyone listening to do one thing. And that is look at the total commissions mm-hmm. and actual total costs of yeah. not doing it. Yeah. Yeah, because I, those, those are kind of the hidden cost of you know, doing business. I'm paying this much to Airbnb. I'm paying this much to Verbo or whomever it might be. What if you didn't have to spend that amount of money? Right. What would you yeah. spend that money on that would make your systems more effective. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Yeah. And I think it comes down to what your company goals are too. I know for, for us at Condo World, we've, we use the OTAs less than a lot of companies do, but that's been because we've put significantly more resources into building our brand because of how we want to grow that into, you know, other different segments. But 
um, that that's it's important to be thinking about that because if you do want to grow your vacational company, you want to move into new markets or anything like that, you want to be making sure that you are emphasizing you know the the brand and book direct um, and using the OTAs to bring you that new business that fuels the whole funnel. Yeah. And I think a big part of it is to your point, Pete, is that so many people don't do that analysis. It takes a while to do, but you really have to do that analysis to understand what your cost of acquisition of a reservation yeah. is. And so many people don't know that. They think like they think in the well, if I'm putting, you know, a you know, a PPC out there and I'm spending X amount a month and I get so many reservations, that's my cost. Well, that's there's so many other factors in there. And, and sometimes again in, in larger markets like a Myrtle Beach or Panama City, you're competing against the OTAs and they've driven the cost of that up so mm-hmm. high, you have to use use all these other steps in the process in order to keep that cost down for you. But if you don't really know what you're spending, and not only from a time perspective, but just you know, needing tools or whatever it is, you have to know what that cost actually is before you can make any determination on what the right direction to go is. Yeah. And I think if you're thinking about your KPIs appropriately, you know, occupancy is not necessarily the KPI you want to look at. It's going to be more of a rev par or a... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, profit per available room or whatever that might be, focus on that. And if you have some, you know, occupancy that goes unused, but you're more profitable overall, that tells you you're probably getting to the right mindset of, you know, optimizing your, your entire process. Yeah. And I know for, for this year, specifically, there's been more conversation about focusing on the overall revenue, not a balance of revenue in room nights uh, or occupancy because they don't have the staffing. And so the staffing is a huge problem. And so it's a matter of like, you know, how do I raise my rates and maybe not take those lower rated reservations, but still maintain my revenue levels, you know, not focusing on occupancy. I don't need to sell out every week. I don't need everybody to check out Saturday to Saturday. I mean, I think that that, that really has changed a lot for vacation rentals where hotels understood that, that it was okay mm-hmm. that you didn't have to have everybody staying seven nights. It was like, if they stayed two, maybe they paid a little more than if they stayed three or, you right. know, however it is. But I think again, at the end of the day, it's just, you have to do what's right for your business. But if you don't understand the cost of doing business, it's really hard to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That, that, that's kind of six. That was a sixth item. Oh, see, I, I gave you the sixth one. I have a half ish. Well, I wanted to ask you for like a side, a side item. So trends, like what are you yeah. seeing in trends that you think that maybe vacation rentals could tap into that are that hotels either have adopted or are going to be doing over the next, you know, 18, 24 months? Yeah, that's a tough question because I think everybody's a little bit in flux. Uh, we're see, seeing some hotels that are still having a lot of trouble with staffing, like you mentioned, yeah. mm-hmm. and they're trying to figure out, do they have the hotel or the resort open at 100% if they can mm-hmm. handle right. handle that occupancy? But the other trend that I'm seeing is we're seeing bookings farther out than we have in the past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree on that. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. interesting. It, it, we were seeing that, and now with what's happened in the Ukraine and gas yep. prices, specifically in the Southeast, because the gas prices in the Southeast always go crazy. But uh, we've seen that booking window shrink back down again. So while we were see- we were seeing May, June, July reservations, that kind of just, it didn't shut off, but you definitely saw a slowdown within the last seven days. So we're kind of okay. back in that in the month for the month. Um, yep. I think that'll open up again when th- people start to feel like the, r- the situation over there is either coming to a resolution or going away completely, but yeah, but we have seen a definite increase year over year and definitely over the last couple of years. 
Yeah. And, you know, I think that that goes to the point of don't set your rates annually. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because yeah. 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 what yeah. we're seeing is like we're in some places, you know, July is, you know, you're over half filled up at this point. Right. Yeah. Which yeah. for a lot of our clients is way above where way, they want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So they need to start really doing that yield management. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Where do I need to push my rates so that I am competitive with the market, but then also not leaving yeah. a lot of money on the table. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I mean, it comes down to, you want your repeat guests, you want to incentivize them that they're going to get the better rate than a new guest. Right. Yeah. So it's like mm-hmm. in the beginning of the year, we want to offer our biggest discounts and then you work if the price goes up closer to arrival. And I remember Pete going back, you know, probably, I don't know, eight years ago or so when the properties in the Myrtle beach market started doing that. And it was like, mm-hmm. It was a big shift because it used to be kind of the opposite. But when they started doing that, we looked at it too and we thought, okay, that that actually makes a lot of sense. But it, that for vacation rentals, it was different because it, we were we started out um, at the highest price of the year and then it got down at the lowest when we got closer to arrival and we didn't have the rooms filled. But that's it, we, we've shifted things now, and I think from a revenue management perspective, vacation rentals has caught up quite a bit um, in that. But you, you, you want your previous guests that are loyal to you, you want them to get the best prices and then just be mindful as you get closer to arrival, how you can really op- optimize that rate. Yeah, we, we talked about this actually in one of our episodes about Black Friday and you know cyber mm-hmm. pricing and really making sure that if you do say, you know, book early, you get the best rate, that yeah. that I mean, becomes the the limit. You never it is the give best rate. a better yeah. rate. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> it's got to be, t- I think it would be a lot harder from a vacation rental perspective because you know, empty rooms is a specific homeowner that's angry. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. You know, versus a, yeah. in a hotel, you're like, hey, just don't clean that room. Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And and even on the properties that are vacation rentals, but they're ran like the resorts that you work with, the homeowner doesn't see their unit blocked off specifically in their owner's closet. I mean, I think they see a an occup- occupancy percentage for that type, for that room type for a date range, but they're not seeing specifically that if I have... Crescent Shores 101, I can see as a condo world owner that that week is blocked off and that it, it makes it complicated, but that's the complicated part of what our businesses. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and they can see what, what they got for it last year too. So, I mean, there, there's a lot of transparency within what we do, which is, is good, but challenging. <laughs> yep. That's why they pay you guys the big bucks. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that's what they have. <laughs> that's arguable. At least margins somehow. I don't know how yeah. we're on the short end of the stick here, but. <laughs> oh, gosh. So we are actually at 40 minutes and this is probably one of our longer interviews because Pete, you're awesome and you're so much fun. And we're going to have you back to touch back on these and see if they've worked for any of our any of our part, I'll, I'll implement them with my partners and, and see how, see how it goes. But I wanted to ask you um, if you could give yourself some advice of what today is five years ago and what you're, you're going to see, what would you give? So I, I appreciate you saying this, these questions in advance, because this was a hard one for me. I, I had to think about this a little bit. Oh man, we should have just sprung it on you. Then. Know, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just glad you asked me one of the questions you sent me. Uh, no. So I guess my, advice to to myself would be to voice my concerns and speak the truth as soon as realistically possible. I love that. You know, I, I've always had issues where you, know, you kind of want to dance around the cold, hard facts and you want to appease others. So you don't you know necessarily hurt their feelings. Yeah. But what I found is that really only hurts your credibility and the success yeah. of our clients. Yeah. And yeah. I still have to kick myself every once in a while. I'll be like, okay, you're being too nice. You kind of need to say specifically what's on your mind. And you need to say right. specifically what is 
the best course of action and then deal with the the repercussions as they may, but at least you're being true to yourself and to the client's best interest. You're right. In the end of of the day, you you need to be a trusted advisor for them and they're going to continue to bring you back if you told them the hard truths. I mean, they have to, they mm-hmm. have to know what's going to work and what was what isn't going to work. So. Yeah. And, and that's of, of all the things I think, you know, looking back that I've messed up, it's, you know, well, I don't know if we can, let me think about that. Those kind of yeah. things yeah. I mean, in the back of your mind, you're like, no, don't do yeah. that. That's yeah. Like, I don't want to do that. <laughs> don't be, don't be indecisive in front of a partner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Perfect. And I think that that just, you know, that goes to how important it is to build really good partnerships with your clients or your homeowners, whichever your clientele may be there that, you know, and then for, for myself personally, with our resort partners that I went through that as a early salesperson too. And, you know, you've just got to build up that confidence to know that sometimes you're going to make recommendations that they might not originally agree with, but if you feel like you're offering it for their best interest, then it's it's worth it to say it. If they don't take your advice, then oh well, but <laughs> at least you did the right thing by trying to show them the way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think the other question that we, Alex and I were dying to know is what was your first job? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, hold on. Was it singing? No, it was not singing. It wasn't? Oh, <laughs> oh I'm not sure that's what it was. For, yeah. for, for our audience that's listening, so you have to go and listen to Pete's uh, podcast, the Travel Boom Marketing Podcast, because Pete does a, a, a song during each episode. <laughs> I kind of want to make you do it. <laughs> but, uh, I can only sing it for news items. We don't oh, have any news items today. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Well, you have to come back to do a news item then, but yep. he's, he's a great singer, so <laughs> you have to tune in, not just for the hotel marketing news but also an insight it's a variety show I like <laughs> yeah exactly I, I love, love it yeah, so yeah so my first job at 14 I got a job as a cart attendant at a local golf course Ooh, fun! Wow. So, and, and the best good. part about that job and this is going back to old school South Carolina because mm-hmm. my family moved down here in the mid 80s yeah if you had a job you could drive at 14 so really? I was able to drive to work at 14 years old, which was a horrible, horrible idea. Yeah, oh my gosh. <laughs> Especially now that I have kids that are older than that. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe my parents would right. let me drive. Yeah. Oh, that's gosh, really that's funny. Insane. That's funny. My my husband's family is all from South Carolina and they talked about that. I didn't realize it was like that late in the eighties because my husband and his brother were born in the fifties and sixties, but they were able to drive when they would go to their grandparents' house. They were able to do that. And I was like, that, that, your, your grandpa can't let you drive. And they were like, no, it's legal. Oh, it was, uh, yeah. this was probably S 91. Oh, wow. Sure. That, oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Jeez. But hmm. it, and we were kind of more out in the country. We literally had one of my sister's friends drive to her sixth grade party. <laughs> I think it was like two miles away. (laughs) His dad said he can borrow his truck and drive down the road to the. the I was so short at that age. It would have been like this. Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh. Well, Pete, we appreciate you being here so much. And this has been a very informative episode. And I I love the the style of this. I think we can have you back certainly to talk about more topics. Um, You're just such a wealth of knowledge. But how can our audience get in touch with you if they want to learn more about you or what travel travel boom marketing can do? 
Yeah, sure thing. So they want to kind of keep up with me. They can check me out at Pete DeMeo, which is P-E-T-E-D-I-M-A-I-O on LinkedIn. They can also find us at travelboommarketing.com. Uh, it's also Travel Boom Marketing, Marketing on LinkedIn as well. But it, either of those places is great. We love feedback. We love ideas. And you know, we love helping hoteliers and vacation rental owners alike. And they can find the podcast on the website also, right? Yes. Yeah. So if you go to travelboommarketing.com slash podcast, or just look for Hotel Marketing Podcast on Apple, uh, iTunes, Google, Spotify, wherever you want to listen to podcasts, we're, we're there and waiting to, uh, to sing songs for you. Yeah. Everybody will be so surprised when they go over there and happy that they did. (laughs) Well, if anybody wants to get in touch with Annie and I, you can go to alexandanniepodcast.com. And if you're enjoying listening to the show, we'd love to hear from you. If you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever uh, podcast service that you listen to, that would be amazing. And until the next time, we will see you soon. Thanks, everybody. Thanks. 